Greetings, I'm Paul Nixon, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Church is Changing podcast. Church indeed is changing as we are entering into 2023. It's been changing all along, but my goodness, it's sped up of late. And one of the people who I think has been very nimble in this changing season is Andy Fishburne, who is my guest today. Andy is the Discipleship and Faith Formation Officer for the Methodist Church in Britain and a creative missiologist, in my opinion. Andy, welcome to Church is Changing. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Great to be with you. And Andy, you live on a on a very tiny island. Tell us about where you are located on Earth. Yeah, yeah. I live in the Isle of Man, which is in the North Sea between Great Britain and, and Ireland. Um, so it's a, a tiny little island, quite far north, quite windy, quite rainy, but it's beautiful. Well, we are glad that internet connections work well to all parts of the of the earth. And you work for the Methodist Church in Britain, so you you're in and out of London and on the on the in the country quite a bit. But working with mm-hmm. mostly adult faith formation, would that be fair? Not necessarily, actually. I think we try okay. to see everything that we do as applying to all ages. So we do quite a bit with young people too. Oh, do you? Okay. I'm quite keen to make everything as broad as possible, so it reaches. I think a lot of older people are actually younger people inside. So I think I wouldn't like to to have that distinction too rigidly enforced. Discipleship has often seemed to me to be a nebulous word in that one person seems to be using it in one way and another in a different. Is this a word that you use a lot, discipleship? Well, it is now. I don't think I used it very much (laughs) before I started this job, to be honest. I think it's a word that we've kind of lost, lost a bit of a use of recently. I remember thinking if I if I went into a church, a Methodist church over here, and asked the disciples to put their hands up, I don't know what they would do. I don't know whether there'd be lots of shifty looking from side to side, but I don't I don't think it's a word that really sort of people associate themselves as disciples to the extent that they should. So um trying to trying to bring it back, trying to to recover recover the word. And in recovering the word, what 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 do you think the essence of it is? What, what do you mean when you would use a word like that? Yeah, but for me, at its most basic, and it, it's both basic and difficult, is following Jesus, learning from Jesus and changing to be like Jesus. But that's so hard because Jesus is invisible. And what, what, does, that, what does that mean for us? That's the, that's the thing we're wrestling with. But, but it's got to be focused around Jesus and ultimately becoming like him. As you and your team have explored that, you... You sort of divided up Christian faithfulness or discipleship into a dozen or more core practices. And, and in so doing, you've taken this concept and you've gotten quite specific. What, what are some of those practices that you've sort of distilled as very tangible elements of discipleship? Yeah, yeah, that's right. We, we've come up with 12. Some of them are more might be classed as devotional things, things which we we do to, to benefit our relationship with God. Some are more missional, some are more about changing the world for better. But we, we've got these 12 and we think that they're a, a really helpful way to think about what discipleship looks like today. So they're to pray, to worship. There's nothing 
incidentally, there's nothing tricky in this. This is really, really basic stuff. So we pray, we worship, we gather for worship. We notice God in scripture in the world. We learn, we care for each other and ourselves. We're open to new people. We tell people about our God experiences. We live in a way that communicates God. We share our faith. We challenge injustice. We serve people in need and we help the creation to flourish. So there's quite a balance of, of different elements, but they're the, they're the 12. Now, we quite often ask people to say, what would your 13th one be? Because that's not an exhaustive list by any means. But if we can do those things, I think we're, I think we're doing pretty well. And as I've visited with you about those 12, you, you, we've even talked about the idea that a person for a particular year or season could sort of, um, in, maybe in university terms, pick a major and really work on one or two of those things. Is that something that you would encourage? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that we we encourage people to do is to decide which is their their home, which of those 12 is the thing that comes most naturally to them or what's their mm. what's their major if you like, yeah. And that that's that's both in a sense of affirming people's gifts but also looking for ways that they can go deeper and how they can offer that as a gift to their their local church. If you're someone in your church who is passionate about challenging injustice, you might be one of the few who are like that. And so you can you can present that as a gift to to bring the whole church on with you. So yeah, the idea of focusing on one is is really important. But also as a church, we're, we're encouraging churches to decide what's our focus going to be for the year. So a church might pick, say, prayer, and you might be someone who's passionate about challenging injustice. That's your home area. So the two can work together beautifully. So you can tell the church, you can help the church to be praying for issues, to be looking for where those prayers have been answered, where where justice has been done. So, you know, they, they all kind of interlink together. But if we can identify where you start, what's your thing? Um, I think that's really, really helpful. Your team created a, a graphic that looks a little bit like a London tube map or really any sort of metropolitan subway system. And so you've got all these colorful lines moving around with these hubs like stations, each of which is named for one of these practices. How did you come about that kind of a metaphor to describe discipleship? Well, we wanted to to give a sense that discipleship was about movement and travel and change. And therefore, having this transport metaphor seems to work really nicely. The, the fact that it's laid out as a map, I think, I think it's quite helpful to give a sense that it's an adventure. There are places on this map that you might not go to very often, but it is bounded. We know where the we know where the map goes. So it's both exciting but not too intimidating. It's giving something concrete to to get to to get to grips with. I love the way that the the London tube map kind of has all these different crisscrossing railway lines. I'm sure, sure you can all sort of depict that. And that again is beautiful for this metaphor that the different practices, they don't exist in isolation. They all interconnect with each other. And the, the interconnections between like say prayer and changing injustice is a really fascinating area of, of spiritual growth. So the, the journey between the stations is really important as well. So that's kind of where it came from. Also, the idea that you have a home station. I was saying how we ident- we ask people to identify where they 
you know where they where they start off with that's a bit like starting off your your journey in london you're at a particular station you've got a foothold you you start somewhere and i think it's really helpful to realize that other people start from different stations that other people start from different places we're not all the same so i think it's helpful to get a whole sense that there's a whole range of people all with different different home stations but we're all connected we all can travel between them all so kind of that's where it came from well, just in in hearing that, it would seem that the discipleship journey laid out like this is going to be quite distinctive and individualized. It's not exactly the same journey for everybody because you be, you may begin with a different home station and you may be exploring a different adventure that may that will be a different experience for you if it's not your home station or if it's new for you, which sort of runs against sort of the old discipleship models where everybody was kind of on the same journey, doing the same thing, very, very mm. sort of homogenized. This is a little different than that. Yeah, yeah, we very much wanted to make it flexible because we're, we are all individuals. I was, I was reading the other day about, it's kind of a, a tangent, but... United States Air Force cockpits in the 1950s were built all exactly the same and they were built for the average pilot but they quickly realized there were no average pilots they needed to have some flexibility within it so we wanted to make a a way of thinking about discipleship that was flexible that did take into account individual differences but we can all see ourselves as doing the same thing so it is kind of both individualized but also corporate so we we do all do the same kind of journeys and it's the same 12 stations but we might spend more time at different ones than than the person next to us so it, it's kind of trying to do both really sort of both and being individual but also together for our listeners i would just add that we will include this map of discipleship stations in the notes on the Discipleship Ministries website where our podcast is is hosted. So you can go and look. I think it's a really evocative map. And just the graphic itself brings all kinds of ideas to, to mind in terms of how we can sort of rethink discipleship as a very multifaceted adventure. When you've taken the map before, have you? do I recall that you actually blew it up and made a big rug out of it at an event? on the floor was that did you do that yeah that's right we did it at our british methodist conference just in june 2022 so we had this giant three meter by three meter that's like i know you're an imperial units that's like nine foot by nine foot giant vinyl floor mats and we invited people at the conference to actually physically stand on this thing and to actually stand on their home station and then we prayed and we asked people to sense where God might be calling them next. What might be the station that is the next one on their journey? And we gave them a little train ticket punched with the, the kind of the location that they'd, they'd thought of and prayed with them again. So, yeah, it's, it was really playful, but it was a, it was a, it got a real sense of by physically moving with their body to, to these different places on the map, just brought it to life and it got them into the zone far more than just looking at a bit of paper on a you know on a leaflet would have would have done so yeah it was it was cool i think this home station idea it, it, maybe we're we can always grow there but but it's sort of identifying a giftedness a way that we're wired maybe a particular competency that gives that gives a little bit of encouragement that 
we can do this, you know? Mm. So often when we get to discipleship, especially following Jesus, oh my goodness, it seems so insurmountable, so far above us, and we feel so incompetent. But by naming a home station where we have some comfort zone and maybe a little bit of, of experience, it it sort of flips that and begins to say, well, we're not entirely incompetent everywhere. Maybe we've begun to sort of learn and we have a sort of a knack for this particular space. And that's encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I've really found that. And I found it also works with people who who wouldn't consider themselves Christians, wouldn't consider themselves on the journey of discipleship. They can still do this. They can they can still identify a station. When we've used this in a completely secular context, they were still able to say, yeah, I'm really passionate about challenging injustice or prayer or caring. It's a it's almost like a universal thing. So it gives a great conversation tool to have with people who are not yet part of the church. And and yeah, for people in the church, we I started off by saying that I don't think many people I come across in some of the churches I I go to would see themselves as disciples. But if you can frame it in a sense of do you do you care for other people in yourself? Do you are you passionate about learning? Are you open to having conversations with people and being generous and hospitable with all that you have? They say, yeah, of course, yeah, that that's me. So it's a way of as you say, affirming that they are disciples, while also giving them leeway to see that there's more, there's room to grow. But it, 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 you're not starting from naught. No one is. And also, it would seem by having these very specific practices sort of distilled out that we're not just working on discipleship generic, but we're working on really digging down and, and thinking about what are different ways that we can live a life of prayer and just really getting focused and exploring and even moving beyond one or two modes of prayer that that we saw when we were growing up in church and, and getting into the whole expanse of just that one practice. Mm. Um, that seems very productive as well, that we're able to focus beyond everything into something. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's I think the 12 number is... Is, is quite a useful number of things to be focusing on because it's not an, a, an incredibly daunting list, but it's also a challenge. Yeah, so having the having the granularity of these 12 things, I think is really helpful to to, to stretch us and to think of to think of the, the breadth of what discipleship involves. I mean people might not have realized that helping the creation flourish is an integral part of discipleship up there with prayer and gathering for worship. It's quite radical in that sense in that it elevates all the different 12 things to the same level. So it's it's quite a liberating thing because it, it, it's a way of affirming each person's individual passions. It's saying, this is really important. This is, this is on the map. I think that's really powerful. How are you seeking, now that with, within this framework, how are you seeking to resource people, the churches within your denomination and beyond to utilize this way of thinking about life as spiritual adventure. What what are you doing with this? At the moment, we're, we're currently trying out all kinds of ideas with the hope that in about six months' time, we'll, we'll have a pack so that churches can take this and, and run it for themselves. So at the moment, we've, we've shipped out like dozens of these carpet floor mats to churches and given them packs of badges and postcards and 
coasters and beer mats and all kinds of things so they can play with it and see what works. And we're working intently with a few churches to to kind of visit them and to see what happens. So with a couple of churches I've been to recently, I've, I've asked everybody in the congregation to fill out a little slip to kind of identify their own personal strengths and weaknesses and what their, ask them what their home station is. And then the church too, as we said, discerns a focus for the year, what they're going to work on. So we can, we can see how they, how those two things mate up. I'm exploring at the moment, the idea of taking this, this information that we get from people like this, this breakdown of their strengths and weaknesses that could perhaps be automated to generate like a personalized discipleship plan. So an algorithm could churn out a thing in return. They, they fill in a bit of paper one week and next week they get a paperback from us saying, have you thought about exploring this, how you can share your strengths with the church? Look at this program, look at this course. So it's, it's quite exciting how we can, how we can work on this and, and see what happens. But so at the moment we're kind of in this prototyping stage, but hopefully in a few months time, we'll have something out, which will, which will be a sort of a, a fully standing resource so that people can do this on their own without, without needing me to rock up. Are any of these resources available for persons outside of the Methodist Church in Britain? Are they available for purchase? I'd hope they will be. I mean, we've got a on our website, which will be in the show notes, you can you can see some of the, the, the visual resources. But in terms of the physical things, hopefully we will be able to make it more widely available yet. We need to get our get our publishing team onto it. Cause I could see taking that mat during hospitality time at our church and having a lot of fun, you know over near the coffee area, just just playing with people and doing exactly what you were doing at that conference event, playfully talking about discipleship. What a wonderful thing to do during coffee hour, you know? Absolutely. Over the, a couple of months ago, we had our, our big youth and children's um, assembly called Three Generate, and we took the big floor mat there with a load of badges. And I, I overheard a conversation, which was so beautiful, that it was a group of teenagers and one of them took charge and was leading their group through this so she said to her group right everybody now go and stand on your home station and then they said okay now go and stand on the one which you find the hardest and then she Mm. said now look at the lines these interconnecting lines from one station to the other and follow that because that's the one that god's got a surprise for you with and this girl just came up with this completely on her own but it's so beautiful so so playful really really cool and I think that's how God works. So I'm sure God was was guiding that. More recently, your team has created a, a another framework to think about how we do small group, which often is a a way that we gather in many different traditions in order to do the work of discipleship. We, it's not just a solo effort, but we come together in small circles. But you have created sort of another template, I believe with another 12 um, items, to kind of customize the emphases of how a small group might function. Tell us a little bit mm. about that. Yeah, this this in a way fleshes out some of the the bones of the of the tube app thing. So there are on the on the the tube app thing, there are stations for being open and being able to tell our story and learning. So this is kind of giving a bit more detail to those. So we, we've realized that we'd like to encourage people to tell stories and to, to share their stories, to to reflect on how God has been working in their lives and how they've how they've noticed the divine. So we've got this framework now to encourage people to be 
you know, adventurous, to be vulnerable with each other, to ask gritty questions, to to bring in scripture and the tradition as they're talking so that they're able to bounce their ideas off the like the the ancient wisdom but with this with this heart of of expecting that god will turn up when we visit these stations on the jude map they're they're all like thin places they're places where we encounter god so we i think we need to help people to to notice what that encounter looks like what that feels like and have the have the skills and the chops to 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 talk about it and to 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 learn from each other's experience so so my story of encounter with God can become your story as well. So we can have a shared, pardon me, a shared sense of we, we encounter God together. As I looked at that, some of that material, I, it struck me that story sharing was really at the heart of the process. And that was a, I mean, I guess in many ways we, we, we know that those of us that do small group work, that it's very story oriented as opposed to study and learning oriented it's a it story is kind of the mechanism that that small group works through and i found that to be a a, a great insight the the power of story sharing we'll we'll look forward to to discovering what you learn as you unpack that but that sounds almost as promising in terms of helping us to sort of rethink process as this tube map concept yeah, I don't think they're they're different. One one of the one of the things we encourage people when they when they pick up the tube map is to have a sense of being prepared to get on the train. We've got to we've got to be prepared to move and to to go where God wants us and to step out into the unknown, to to visit all the twelve stations, but but also to reflect on the journey, to talk about each other. So this is a a way of encouraging that process of reflection, um, noticing where God's at work, noticing where we've met. About God out in the out in the wild doing these doing these things caring for the caring for the creation you know caring for each other learning God is involved in all of those things they're the sort of thing God God loves and God's in this this thinking is very fresh and helpful to me as I think about the challenge of forming people spiritually in our area but what do you hope to see emerging in the church as a result of your work at the start, I said that I think we've lost our sense of discipleship. So one answer would be a recovery of that, how people increasingly see themselves as disciples, people on a journey, people who now know a little bit more clearly what that looks like. We've given, hopefully given people a, a sense of what discipleship looks like today so they can see themselves on this journey, see where they've been, what they're good at, what what gifts they can offer and and where they're going and my my hope is that that will make the church a lot more fun a lot more vibrant a lot more full of energy and hope so that we're a place where people who are also on this journey and it's in their fledgling steps maybe have got a can see that it's worth joining these people that there's a that they've got riches to offer so i hope that it would part of you know, a growing church. It will help us to to grow and become focused on what matters. Things like managing old buildings isn't that isn't a station on the map. So hopefully, it will give us a sense <laughs> of what's important, what what matters, what what we can perhaps let go of a little bit. And I hope that therefore that will make the church increasingly good news to to the people around us. I sense that the pandemic 
further challenged our some of our tired paradigms of church, including trying to gather in these old buildings, which which got harder in many cases after the pandemic. There were fewer there to gather. But it seems to me that, that many ministries that thrived through the pandemic did have a strong sense of the God adventure that they were on. And to the degree that they had that, they did fine. I mean, they may have gained some people or, or maybe um, lost a few, but they, they came through strong with a sense mm. of church not as a place to open the doors for an hour, but church as a journey. Did you sense that from what you saw? Yeah, I'd, I would absolutely agree. And we we spend quite a lot of time talking with church leaders who are worn out and and tired and frustrated in their their efforts to to rebuild things after after the pandemic. But I've been really encouraged that when we presented this this model of what discipleship looks like, they they almost feel a sense of relief that this is simple and doable and it's what matters and it's what will ultimately get them out of the the slump that they're that they're in absolutely i think the pandemic has shaken up so much and it this is a this is a helpful way i think to refocus on what what actually matters what what brings life what what the point is yeah no and i think it will give us hopefully give us some more resilience when when things do go wrong in the future which inevitably they will hopefully not like that but you know, the next time disasters happen, either for an individual congregation or or, or nationally or globally, hopefully, this will give us uh, a bit more fitness and stamina to be able to withstand it better next time around. I love the image of resilience, not just for the church, but for human beings and for for disciples. Friends, I am visiting with Andy Fishburne. He is the Discipleship and Faith Formation Officer for the Methodist Church in Britain working on some really interesting things that I believe the global church can can benefit from. And Andy, as you said the, in the show notes, there are there's a link to your website and to some of the resources we're talking about. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you had one admonition or one word for or word of encouragement for churches today in this strange season in which we live, what, what would that be? Gosh, there's a question. I think to... To follow Jesus, to be flexible, to be prepared for a journey, and just to know that you're already you're already doing it, you're already traveling, but there's 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 room to go. And this is what discipleship looks like. It's it's a process of familiarity, but also unknown adventure. But ultimately that it's it's all good. The train is driven by a very competent train driver, and we'll get to we'll get to where we need to be. It is not a life sitting still, but a life in motion, for sure. Andy, thank you for Mm. taking time to visit with us today. We'll look forward to visiting again, maybe in the future, as these resources develop and to see what else you're learning. But I appreciate your work. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This is the Church is Changing podcast. Glad you were with us today. Church is Changing is a ministry of the United Methodist Church. Church is Changing podcast is a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Music is by Sanjay Singh. Visit all our podcasts at podcast.umcdiscipleship.org.